You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio, and it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Adam Keller here with my co-host and fellow agitator David Story. It's Saturday, May 8th, 2021, and we're broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN here in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area right here in Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, May 9th, 2021 on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama, and sometime next week on WHIV in New Orleans, Louisiana. Today, we are talking about criminal injustice in Huntsville, Alabama, Teacher Appreciation Week, and we'll touch on headlines across the world of organized labor and the Alabama legislature. We're taking your calls, more, all that on today's Valley Labor Report. Remember, folks, the North Alabama DSA has a necessities drive this Saturday from 3 to 5 p.m. at the IBEW Local 558 Union Hall on Clinton Avenue, right across from Yellowhammer and Campus 805. So bring by your non-perishable food items, PPE, clothes, blankets, all that good stuff, and your donations will all be forwarded to the Manor House. Follow at DSA North Alabama on Twitter for more information. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then follow us on social media, facebook.com slash the Valley Labor Report, Twitter at Labor Reporters, at Jacob M underscore AL, and at Radical Unionist. If you missed part of the show and you want to go back and watch it later, search on YouTube for the Valley Labor Report. Please subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there, and we also clip segments throughout the week. We also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps, so to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, go to thevalleylaborreport.transistor.fm slash subscribe. We do have a website where you can buy our hats and our stickers, at thevalleylaborreport.org. And if you appreciate our work and you want to keep us on the air, please consider throwing us a couple bucks on our patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. So good morning. As you can tell, uh, this is not Jacob. This is Adam, and I'm here with my brother David. Uh, Jacob is not here with us today for a family function, so it's just us two trying to hold down the fort. Mm. Dave, David, how you doing, man? I cannot complain. I cannot complain. Good morning, Hunts Vegas and comrades around the world. That's right. So please bear with me today. Uh, as you know, I'm still new, trying to get the hang of things. But I'm really excited about today's show. Uh, we have quite a few things we can talk about. Uh, many of you in the Huntsville area know we've had a lot of developments in terms of criminal justice reform and lack of reform, as well as the 
surprising, rather surprising, guilty verdict of Officer Darby yesterday. And we do have a, a friend of the, new friend of the show, an activist calling in here shortly to talk a little bit more about that. This past week was Teacher Appreciation Week, and that is something that is very dear to my heart. Well, David, I know you have public school students uh, in yep. your family. Yep. I'm a former public school educator, have many public school workers and educators in my family, so wanted to talk a little bit about how we can truly appreciate educators, not just with stickers and biscuits. Those, those are appreciated, too. Um, and there is a lot going on across the state of Alabama as our legislature is wrapping up, and we have seen some, some good news. Some, some good, good news. news out of Montgomery. I mean, to be able to say we have good news coming out of Montgomery is like a rarity. It really is. If this past <laughs> week, if you looked up in the sky, you saw some pigs flying. <laughs> to all of our listeners down in hell, if you felt a nice chilly breeze, that was the Alabama legislature actually doing something positive yes. for the everyday people of this state. So we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the show. Um, and there has been some uh, fairly significant actions across the labor movement in this country. We had a huge victory of nurses uh, just this week. And we also have quite a few locals still on strike, including our brothers down in Brookwood, Alabama, over 1,100 miners still on strike. Uh, so, so stay tuned. We do have some special uh, support we plan to lend those guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to sharing more about that in the next couple of weeks. So I wanted to start this morning and just talk a little bit about Huntsville, Alabama. That's sort of our home base. Now, we know we have a lot of listeners from across the world, across the country. Uh, but Huntsville, Alabama has been struggling as of late uh, to deal with criminal justice. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about the massive protests we had in the summer which were met with tear gas, or excuse me, CS gas, uh, pepper spray, rubber bullets. And we talked a little bit about the uh, advisory committee's report yeah. and the lack of real response from our city council and our mayor. The city did have its promised work session after that report was revealed, uh, where they talked quite a bit. Uh, can't say there's been a ton of solutions to come out of that talking and hopefully our, our friend Chad's going to call in and tell us a little bit more about that and just this week the biggest thing really is we had um, a Huntsville police officer who was found guilty of murder just yesterday and you know that's a pretty historic thing first of all for the fact that he even was brought up on charges quite frankly is a little surprising yeah, well, I mean, he, he basically executed the, the guy in cold blood. I mean, they didn't have any choice. Yeah, my understanding of the case, and, and you know, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't on the jury by any means. But my understanding of this case is that you had a, a gentleman named Jeffrey Parker who was suicidal. Uh, he was holding a gun to his head. It's my understanding. Actually, it was a flare gun. It was not an actual handgun. Uh, his family called the police for help. As you often do when you have a family member in crisis, though I think more of us are learning how dangerous that can be. Yeah. So the police showed up to this house, uh, and you had two veteran officers who were trying to de-escalate the situation. Uh, and, and doing a good job. Doing a good job. Doing a good job, I might add. Yes, doing what we all would like our officers to do. Yeah. Um, I believe it was a, a seasoned black woman 
officer who was actually kind of handling the scene. Well, in rushes Officer Darby. Uh, he shows up, bust into the house with a shotgun, and within less than one minute, blew off the head of this suicidal man. Yeah. And not surprisingly, the Huntsville police had actually cleared him of any wrongdoing. It was actually later that the district attorney uh, did bring him up on charges. Now, the, the rumor mill is that that was in part because the body cam footage and how damning it was. And the other part was that the other officers on the scene were, were very adamant that there was wrongdoing. Yeah. And they were willing to testify to that effect. Yeah. Uh, and surprise, surprise, neither of those officers are still with the force, which is, you know, unfortunately what we see so often when, you know, a police officer is trying to do the right thing and they violate that thin blue line, that, that code among officers and they actually try to represent the people and you know they are often chased out of the force it's unfortunate it's it's just extremely unfortunate that that you had two officers on the scene that were doing good work and uh and they're no longer employed you know i mean that really speaks to the justice system in general and honestly I'm, i'm scared for those two officers um i i I worry about them. They did the right thing for the people. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that so often in our society, doing the right thing for the people puts you at risk of retaliation in in various ways. So we actually had this this trial ongoing this week. And after body cam footage, after testimonies, after deliberation, a jury of his peers convicted Officer Darby of murder. Somewhat surprising, a pleasant surprise, really, to see some accountability. It's not going to bring Mr. Parker back, but it is nice to see the criminal justice system work as it's supposed to for a change. Uh, We've all heard about Officer Chauvin's uh, trial, of course, up in Minnesota. Uh, And unfortunately, there are so many of these cases of police violence that have really dominated the news lately. So we wanted to make sure people knew that we have a similar situation right here in Huntsville, Alabama. What was even more surprising to me was your illustrious mayor's response to the conviction of supporting a a murder. You know, I mean, he he basically come out in 100% support of a murderer and I, I I was just sitting there looking at that and thought, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't get that whole – I don't get it. I just – I can't see it. You know, I, I thought that there was no way I could have less respect for the mayor of this city, uh, Mayor Tear Gas Tommy Battle. Uh, but I do because, as David alluded to, immediately after the verdict, Huntsville Mayor Tommy Battle released a statement, which – Typically, uh, you know, the politicians say they can't comment on ongoing litigation or or matters of litigation. So I want to quote from Mayor Battle. This is a direct quote from his statement immediately after a guilty verdict. Quote, while I respect the jury's opinion, I disagree with the verdict. We recognize this was a hard case with a lot of technical information to process. Officer Darby followed the appropriate safety protocols in his response on the scene. He was doing what he was trained to do in the line of duty. Fortunately, 
Officer Darby has the same appeal rights as any other citizen and is entitled to exercise those rights. Yeah, and, and that really speaks to, you know, here is the issue that I have with this whole thing is I don't doubt uh, Mayor Battles. I don't doubt that he wasn't doing what he was trained to do. I'm beginning to question the training. Right. That, you know, if 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 your immediate response to someone that that you know is suicidal, it's not like this was an unknown situation where they were going in and there was a possibility of some type of ambush. Right. He they never pointed had, any weapon at anyone yeah, else but himself. Yeah. They had police on the scene that were handling it. He, it went out over nine one one that that it was a suicidal situation. And if your training is to shoot somebody in that situation then we need then there should be some reform to that system uh you know and and the the fact that that mayor battles is saying he was doing what he was trying to do speaks to why there are people that are extremely frustrated with the system right now yeah i mean what the mayor said in other words is we asked him to do this we train officers to go in to a situation where someone is suicidal and we go ahead and just kill it kill them yeah we you know don't worry about killing yourself we'll take care of that for you we'll blow your head off no need for you to commit suicide that's insane that the mayor is talking about this and insulting the jury it's not their opinion it's their verdict yeah and i noticed he used that word opinion yep so we got chad he called in so we're going we got about 15 more minutes left in this segment i mean seconds left in this segment and we'll bring him on, on the yeah so side. we're going to talk a little bit more about the mayor's statement the uh huntsville police chief statement and a little bit more about what's going to happen with this case on the other side yep folks you're listening to the valley labor report hang around uh we'll be right back You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617. 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the machinist unions over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates. 
consistently averaging the highest non-college degree jobs in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888. We have been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, health care, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley-Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, if you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or organize at iamaw44.org. Here in Huntsville, federal employees are an invaluable part of the nation's defense, offering unmatched expertise in engineering and technology and as stewards of taxpayer dollars. What we ask for in return is to be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE Local 1858, is a union of working people looking out for each other, making sure that we're treated right. To inquire about joining or to learn more, call 256-876-4880. Hey y'all, are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks? Or tune in to Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy, Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and Brother William, wherever you stream your podcast. And good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the Proletariat, y'all. WVNN. Put it there, boy, and we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do. All right, folks, thanks for joining us on the Valley of Labor Report this morning. Uh, we were talking a little bit about a case here in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, we have a police officer who was found guilty yesterday of murder. We have a local activist, Chad Chavez, who wants to uh, call in and, and tell us a little bit more about this case. He's been following this issue along with other criminal justice reform issues in the city of Huntsville. So we're glad to have him in calling in and sharing a little bit of expertise. Uh, we talked about the mayor, Mayor Tommy Battle's statement. Uh, Police Chief McMurray also put out a statement we can talk about with Chad. And I wanted to just emphasize why this is important. And the labor movement, really, our, our key mantra is an injury to one is an injury to all. Yeah. And to me, that's not just a slogan. That's a, that's a spiritual understanding. Yeah, that's something that we live by. And when people are victimized by the police... That is an injury to all of us as working class people. Yeah. Uh, when people are struggling with mental illness and they're met with violence instead of health care, that is an injury to all of the working class. So that's why it's important to me and why it's important to all of us uh, and all of you listening. So, David, we have uh, Chad on the line. Yep. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Chad, can you hear me this morning? I can hear you great. Awesome. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, on the other side of the break, we were we mentioned the case uh, just in, in brief uh, summary, uh, and we did read Mayor Battle's statement. So first, tell us a little bit about who you are and um, how you've been following these issues in Huntsville. 
yeah, so, um, you know, my name's Chad Chavez. Um, I have been involved in uh, political campaigns, you know, since I was 18, been volunteering or, or working, doing that kind of stuff. Uh, but over the past year, I've been involved with the Citizens Coalition for Justice Reform, um, doing uh, advocacy work in Huntsville for, um, you know, criminal justice reform. We started with the protest in June, um, and, and, and since then have really been attending, you know, every council meeting, working with uh, city officials uh, to try to put some new reforms into place, because I think what Darby and the incidents uh, of June 1st and June 3rd have really shown uh, is that, uh, you know, Huntsville Police Department is kind of falling behind in reforms. Right. And, and as David alluded to, I mean, if you're saying Darby acted according to training, well, holy crap, we have a training problem. Uh, because if you're training officers to do something that's going to get you convicted of murder, um, yeah, well, hell, that's not fair to anybody. Yeah, I was I was glad to hear you guys talking about that um, because you know that's been the mayor that's been Mayor Battle and uh, Chief McMurray's defense for a while. Uh, but even during the trial, uh, Captain McCarver was on the stand saying that this is how they train people, um, and I I think that if you're training people to fire upon. Uh, people in mental health crisis because they don't drop the gun, but they aren't pointing it at you. That's a dangerous precedent. Um, and, and I think we should question the wisdom of sending them out to mental health calls. If that's the training. Yeah. Well, and it, and it also speaks to the fact that if this is your training and this, and this officer just committed murder and was convicted of murder, then there are some accomplices there that we may need to start considering, uh, if you're training these officers to do this and they're, they're risking their freedom to do what you've told them to do, then in my opinion, mayor battles, uh, you're an accomplice to this crime. Uh, you know, and, and it's something the district attorney needs to be looking into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you, like you said, it's not fair to the citizens of Huntsville, and it's not fair to Huntsville police um, to know that either they risk reprimand, like the two officers that were on the scene with Darby, or they risk these charges. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a need to take a look at this training because it's setting officers up for failure uh, in addition to the citizens of Huntsville. So, Chad, has there been any actual talk of changing the training of Huntsville police. I mean, there's, we've talked a lot about these issues with training and, and now they're bringing this up, even in the context of this case yesterday, but, uh, has there been any discussion from the mayor, the chief, the council, how do they plan to address this? Um, so the biggest reform that we've seen offered, uh, came from council member Francis Acreage, um, who has asked the police department to, um, essentially start studying the possibility of adding uh, full mental health workers yeah. to the teams that would respond to crises like this. The concerning part is that, you know, that study is going to take a while. The, the police department has been very 
upfront about how slow that's going to be. So it, it could be still, you know, months or years before we see anything from that. But that's the most concrete. Um, given what we've seen from Mayor Battle and Chief McMurray, I, I also worry that they don't have a lot of incentive to put that into place. No, that's um, no But hopefully the verdict yesterday will jumpstart a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating because I'm friends with a lot of mental health uh, workers. My sister uh, personally is a a mental health worker, and these these people deal with these type of issues every day, and we need those people involved on on these call outs. I mean, yeah, you need the police there for support but they the police are not trained pro- properly and professionally in dealing with mental health crises and clearly i mean they're admitting it yeah and well i mean they're i mean there's really well they're justifying it yeah i don't they don't even have to you know they you're trained with a gun and pepper spray you're not trained to deal with people like and i'm not saying that they're not trained at all i'm sure there's some they touch on mental health issues in the police department but they're not trained at the level that a a counselor or a psychologist would be to de-escalate a situation like that and and to to even to even say this is going to be a long ongoing process is asinine because it shouldn't be there should be some mental health workers that are tied to that department or even to the fire department, uh, who most of us trust so much more because they're not carrying guns, uh, to where they get called out on these issues and, and, and have the ability to save someone's life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, the danger of a, of a review that takes years is that we've seen multiple people in the past six months in Huntsville killed in mental health crisis uh, whether you're talking about Bradley Pugh um, so, right. so yeah, I mean, the longer we spend on this dragging our feet the more risk it is to citizens um, and yeah I mean it's, it's not fair to the police officers to hey, Chad, we're coming right up on a break a year to compare with talk and weather station WVNN Athens WVNN FM Trinity a cumulus station it's 10 o'clock from ABC News, I'm Dave Packer. Another milestone in the fight against the pandemic. More than 150 million Americans have received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine. But there could be a major snag as vaccine rates are down significantly in the last week, according to an HHS document obtained by ABC News. And we're still seeing outbreaks. The U.S. may not fully achieve herd immunity in terms of completely eliminating the spread of COVID like early predictions had hoped, says White House science advisor Dr. David Kessler, especially if those hesitant to receive a shot continue to stay away. If you've been vaccinated, talk to somebody who's not been vaccinated. We just have to be able to help people overcome those fears. We're very close. Kessler telling San Francisco ABC News affiliate KGO his team's recruiting everyone from faith leaders to celebrities to urge people to get protected. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. A cyber attack prompting the operator to shut down 5,500 miles of pipeline, which supplies nearly half of the gasoline and jet fuel for the East Coast. A manhunt in Texas for 48-year-old Trent Pascal, accused of cutting off his ankle monitor and holding a car salesman at knife point while out on bond for allegedly murdering his wife. 
Michael Kitchen, who along with his wife, is now raising his dead daughter's children. My wife was assaulted, our daughter was murdered, and I, I can only imagine what's going through the children's mind. U.S. Marshals now offering an $11,000 reward. Disappointing jobs numbers, only about 266,000 jobs created in April. That's less than half of the number from March. Unemployment edged up. The Biden administration on the defensive, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. You can't look at it month by month. You look at it over a period of time. Over the last three months, we've added, added about a million and a half jobs to, to the economy, which has been great. Jobs were added in leisure and hospitality. In Afghanistan, 25 killed when a bomb exploded near a school in Kabul today. At least 50 wounded. No claims of responsibility. You're listening to ABC News. It's all about the nose. It's your air filter, the first line of defense against bacteria and viruses. If too many germs get stuck in your nose, guess what? You get sick. That's why it's so important to keep your nose clean, just like washing your hands. Now there's a better way to keep your nose clean and help your body protect itself. It's called Navage Nasal Care. Navage uses powered suction to flush out allergens, mucus, bacteria, and viruses. At Navage.com, CDS, Walgreens, Bed Bath, Target, and Rite Aid. Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. Hey, renters, it's Ty Pennington for Guaranteed Rate. Stop paying your landlord's mortgage every month. Look, mortgage rates are still historically low, so go to Rate.com now to get a mortgage on your first home and upgrade your life. Like a legit home office, a new deck for summer, maybe a pool, you name it. Guaranteed Rate can help you go from renting to buying like crazy fast. Start at Rate.com today. That's Rate.com. Equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Company NMLS ID 2611, NMLS, Hey y'all, are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks? Or tune in to Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy, Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and Brother William, wherever you stream your podcast. And good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the Proletariat, y'all. All right, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. We have our friend Chad on the line. We were talking a little bit about training issues in Huntsville Police and some of the broader criminal justice issues we have here in the Huntsville community. So, Chad, you still with us? Yep, still here. All right, so uh, when we left off, you talked about how there has been some talk of training, particularly uh, – you know, adding mental health workers to these kind of calls. But the, the fear is that this could get dragged out, delayed. You know, they have to talk about talking about discussing it and analyzing it before they implement it. Uh, and people could suffer in the meantime. And it's and, and let's be clear. It's not for lack of funding. The police are funded extremely well in Huntsville. I can't remember the numbers, but it's an insane amount of money that goes to police in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I mean, compared to cities uh, our size, I mean, we're in the you know top ten percent of spending on police. Um, so there's no shortage of money already. Um, yeah, I mean, the the concern about training is we really need the mayor and the police chief willing to buy into that um otherwise it is just going to become an excuse to spend more money on you know bigger tools and not necessarily the human resources needed 
um, and and frankly, the institutional reform. Um, because with leadership excusing what's happening now, uh, it's just very hard to expect that we're going to get real transparency. Well, that's the thing that you know I think pissed me off the most was seeing those statements yesterday from the chief and the mayor because it was it was really a slap in the face to to all of you guys, everybody who's been pushing for reform. I mean, it's a slap in the face to the justice system in general what they all tout as the greatest system in the world as soon as it works uh, in the favor of the public and not in the favor of their crony uh you know buddies then all of a sudden it's it's it it it's called out as you know as as unjust and it's like you can't have it both ways either we got the greatest system in the world or we don't. And in this case, you know, I think we got lucky. You know, in many cases, you don't. We've got people sitting in, in, in prisons right now for, for nonviolent crimes, for, for simple possession or, you know, things like that. Uh, and, and it's worked in their favor. And when I say in their favor, I mean in the police's favor for so many years. Uh, and now all of a sudden, you know, when, it, when the one time – that it convicts one of your one of your fellow brothers in in the in the in the criminal justice system is is not that great. So yeah, I, I, I mean it's hypocritical. It, it just it just it's really it's terrible. Yeah, it really is, and and especially that they're they're really only looking to the system to um, reinforce violence use because there are two police officers on the other side of this case that also thought Darby handled this wrong. Um, No support from the mayor there, no support from the chief. Um, So, yeah, it's it's really uh, really unfair to those officers as well. Um, And and we pointed out before the show, you know, it's worth saying again, the two police officers that thought that he had done wrong are now unemployed police officers. You know, so keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, yeah. I think that they, um, despite having more uh, experience in the police force, have been essentially driven out um, for not for not following that cultural line. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a little concerning that uh, you know with Police Chief McMurray continuing even after a verdict uh, to say that Darby is innocent. Um, I don't think I don't think normal citizens are afforded that same luxury. <laughs> Right. And that's something I wondered if this was a rank and file city of Huntsville employee, you know, someone driving a city truck and they got in an accident. Yeah. Would they get one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars of taxpayer money to defend them? Would they get uh, public statements contradicting uh, a jury verdict? You know, so that's if it was a garbage man. Right. That was out there picking up your trash. That, act, that that may have accidentally done something would would they support him the same way? I I highly doubt it. Yeah, almost certainly not. There would be a lot of uh, a lot more talk about the state of that person's mind the day of uh, than you get uh, from the mayor about Darby. Yeah, that's interesting if you um, say that. I wonder, you know, because that's that probably would have been one of the first things that they rolled out was maybe this guy was on drugs. Or maybe this guy, you know, and I didn't hear any of that from the mayor on uh, maybe this officer was on some type of mind-altering substance. 
Yeah, no, no, not uh, nothing uh, about his long history or his, you know public relations problems or uh, coworkers who thought that he had it, it had issues. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, yeah, there's the average city employee is not going to get that kind of defense. Yeah, um, yeah and and frankly, they'd be more transparent about what happened with the average city employee. Uh, you know, the the mayor has frequently said at city council that they're not going to comment on cases that are under active investigation or litigation. Uh, but here they are defending Darby seconds after the verdict comes out. Right. Uh, but we, we still can't get like official comments on what happened with, you know, Alberta Rebus in South Huntsville or Bradley Pugh in five points because they're under investigation. So Chad, what do you have in terms of kind of where do we go from here? Um, what are local activists pushing for and, you know, do you have any sort of call to action for folks in the community? Um, for folks in the community, you know, I, I really encourage that you reach out to uh, city council. Uh, you know, we just had the HPCAC report come out uh, regarding the events of the uh, Black Lives Matter protests uh, in uh, June 1st and 3rd. And so city council is pushing a lot of proposals um, and we're waiting to see who's going to unite behind those. So right. I think if you're a, a citizen of Huntsville, you know, a big one that we're looking at is uh, transparency with the body cameras. Right now, it's impossible to get them released from HPD, um, and the mayor's protected that. So body camera footage... Should be is a matter of uh, should be a matter of public record. I mean, we're paying for these body cameras, right. but no one can see what happens until Darby gets taken to trial. Uh, no one can ha- see what happens in these other instances where people have alleged police abuse. So, I mean, I would encourage people to contact, especially about the body camera footage. I think that there needs to be more transparency there. It's awful interesting uh, that, that, that the police's mantra has always been, if you're not doing anything wrong, what have you got to hide? You know, this whole, whenever they pull you over and they want to go through your car and or come knock on your door and they want to go through your house, the mantra is always, if you're not doing anything wrong, what do you have to hide? And, and I would turn it around and say the same thing to the police that don't want to release a body cam footage. If you're not doing anything wrong, what have you got to hide by releasing the body cam footage? That should exonerate you right. from all accusations. But it's it's very interesting that they're being so protective of uh, of a video. Uh, you know, they want it both. Ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're 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 happy to to uh, point out that you know sometimes people do understand the situation differently after they've seen the video. Um, but you know, at this point. They've even withheld video from the oversight board. Yeah. Uh, so why are we paying for body cameras if no one in the in the city is allowed to see them, including people specifically tasked with oversight of the police? Yeah. Uh, and is it really an oversight saying, board if if you can't even get access to that? Or interview or or interview the police. I mean, they've been refused, you know, to even be able to talk to the to the police. So. Yeah, which which again made no sense at all. Like they they were they stopped the oversight board from speaking with anyone in HPD because they were worried about Fifth Amendment protections. But they 
use those same protections to try to stop evidence from coming out in the Darby trial. So the city clearly understands how the ruling applies. They just aren't cooperating with city council when city council asks for these reviews. Right. Well, Chad, what is there anything that you, you know, didn't get, didn't get a chance to talk about this morning? Anything that you think we really need to know as we kind of wrap things up this morning? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the big thing, if you haven't, uh, read the HPCAC report or any of the summaries, you know, Ashley Remkiss from AL.com did a great summary of what's in there. I think there's a lot of cultural problems in there, um, whether it's, you know, captains telling junior officers to turn off their body cameras while they were at the protest uh, or violence used against citizens. Uh, I would encourage people to go see what's in that report. Um, you can find it at HuntsvillePoliceReview.com, um, uh, or again, there's, there's great summaries out there from the media, um, and especially for, for like labor workers who, who, uh, would be concerned with things like the ability to strike. Um, I think there's a lot of concern about how Huntsville is treating protests. Um, and so I would encourage people to check that out if they haven't. Um, because I think the problems are pretty evident, uh, and it'll probably make you want to call your city council member. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we mentioned that as well, that, uh, what could be applied to a protest can be applied to uh picket line. Yeah. So thankfully the, the, we didn't see that protest bill out of the state go through this past week, because that's what I've told all my members is, you know, if this protest bill goes through a year and and we just happen to be on a picket line and stop traffic, then all of a sudden we got a felony, you know, uh, and that is not not good whatsoever. So right, and we already know, you know, how that law would be applied. Uh, it's not going to be applied towards the bosses and the scabs. So thanks, Chad, for calling in. We got more on the other side of the break about teacher appreciation and the labor movement across the country. Thank you so much for joining us. Listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. 
The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. If you're looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Iron Workers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256 383 Three 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 four. That's two five six three eight three 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 four. Or via email at local four seven seven at bellsouth.net. And make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. You can depend on Yeffy for the latest news during your drive home. WVNN afternoons. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for joining us on the Valley Labor Report. So we've talked a little bit about criminal justice. Let's switch gears. This mentioned some issues that are happening in the labor movement across the country and uh, as well as some of that brief little bit of hope we got from the Montgomery uh, legislature this past week. So I wanted to uh, mention that we do have some new organizing drives across the South over at Duke University Press. There are over 120 workers that have just filed for an election May 3rd. Um, that has been covered in Labor Notes by Joe Stapleton. Talked about lots of t- high turnover, low pay, and discrimination. Those issues really led those workers to join together, even though it's a variety of different types of people with a variety of different types of jobs. Uh, really proud to see them over in Durham, North Carolina, organizing a union. We send our solidarity and best of luck to those workers, hopefully a successful uh, union and hopefully a successful contract. Yeah. And I also wanted to mention maybe the biggest uh, labor story this past week, as far as a news story, is up in Portland, Maine. It's quite a while from here, obviously, but uh, almost 2,000 nurses at the Maine Medical Center have won uh, an election, which apparently is the biggest election through the labor board since 2018. Yeah, that's tremendous, and and it and it's no doubt goes without speaking to the the uh, the terrible working conditions that nurses have had to work through this past year and a half. Oh yes, I mean it's hard enough to be a nurse even in normal times, but I can only imagine during the pandemic, uh, and you're dealing with 
a lot of extra safety risk, and you're also dealing with just insane uh, patient ratios, yep. which I know is one of the biggest issues that National Nurses United has been fighting for is to actually get some mandates in terms of how many patients you could carry on your load as a nurse. Uh, and that is through uh, NNU, National Nurses United, so the Maine State Nurses Association. They won their vote 1,001 to 750. So yep. shout out to those nurses. Way to go, sisters. And, Glad and to see you with that union. Yeah, and brothers. And, and brothers, too. Hey, watch it now. Uh, and, 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 for, and for the people out there listening that may be nurses, you know, the Machinist Union organizes, has a health care uh, component of the machinist union that organizes specifically workers, healthcare workers, uh, what are these people that are in the uh, rehabilitation workers and things like that? So there, there are some places for you to get involved and get organized in your workplace if you if you so choose. Yeah, and that's something uh, a lot of people don't maybe don't realize if they're not very familiar with labor but you don't have to find a union that has like your job title in the name just because you're a nurse you don't have to call nurses united yeah uh you may have the machinist available to help you uh you know there are uh workers up in uh i believe it's new york university right now that are organized through uaw yeah uh that have been out on strike does a lot of the work with the campus workers so yeah i mean the the biggest thing when it comes to organized labor is you want someone that understands how to organize people and you want someone that understand that can listen but understands how to negotiate contracts for you that's the big thing uh you know we can we can negotiate contracts for anybody it's all basically the same thing no matter what job you're doing uh you know you want better wages better benefits better working conditions you want to have a voice in your workplace. Those those things don't change just because your job title does. Right. Those are universal They're values. Universal. Yep. Yeah. So if you are a nurse or if you are any kind of worker listening here in Alabama or elsewhere and you do not have a union on the job, you need one. Yeah. And if you're not sure who to talk to, feel free to hit us up uh, and we can try to plug you in to, to the appropriate folks to get you organized to provide you the the institutional support and resources you may need to kick off that drive uh we're happy to support that that's really one of the reasons why we do this show is to amplify the efforts of, of workers organizing already but also to encourage everyone else who isn't organized to get organized a couple other things happening uh in the world of labor uh labor notes put out a great article about some changes in the post office yeah uh, I know we've talked to the various postal workers here on the show. Uh, please, please keep an eye on the post office because they are being sabotaged from the inside out, yep. which is, is really a perfect segue to talking about public schools later in the show. Uh, but, you know, they have a corrupt, corrupt and incompetent postmaster general. Yep. And his plan is to sabotage the postal service. They just came out with a 10-year plan, apparently. And it really is to transform it into a, a more corporate entity and to really help the competition. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they are promising slower delivery, uh, increased cost, and reduced access to post offices. What that's a winning a, formula. That's a heck of a public service. Right. It? So, I mean, who wouldn't want to go participate in that kind of post office? Well, I mean, that's the scam that they always run. You know, it, it, it's it's never-ending scam to to for a lot of the conservatives 
to nominate and appoint these people to get into a public service arena to dismantle the to they will dismantle that service they will cut as much labor out as they can they will increase cost and then they will turn around to the public five years later and say look at how terrible this right. is we need to do away with this you know it's a it's the same scam every time it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah you know so they put billionaire betsy in charge of education yeah to make it worse they put oil polluters in charge of the epa to make it worse yeah. um so that's something that I want everybody to keep your eye on. The post office, uh, our postal workers, brothers and sisters are really going to need our support in the coming years just to hold on to what they have, yep. uh, much less actually make some gains for what they deserve. Yep. And for anybody that talks about champions of the military and big supporters of the military, the nation's largest employer of veterans is the Postal Service. There are more veterans in the Postal Service than in any other business in the nation. So we need to support these brothers and sisters that have transitioned out of the military and into a civilian job. And now they're looking at uh, basically getting screwed over. Right. And I think there's a lot of similarities between postal workers and education workers. You know, it's two of the really last remaining yeah. public services we have. Um, you know, and I, the more I think about it, the more I see that public schools are, are pretty much the last threads of our very threadbare social safety net. Uh, you know, where else can you actually get some guaranteed childcare, guaranteed breakfast and lunch? Um, you know, get plugged into social workers, nurses, and other, you know, essential services for families. And so the post office and public schools both have been under attack for, for quite some time and under sabotage for quite some time. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out for everyone that when we, as we transition into talking about Teacher Appreciation Week for the next 30 minutes, it's important for people that are listening to understand what the end game is for for breaking down the public service of public schools it is not to make them better what it, when you talk about privatization what we're talking about is the exact same thing that's happened with health care since nixon you slowly privatize slowly privatize slowly privatize and it don't happen overnight. It's like boiling the toad. Mm -hmm. You don't get hot overnight. But eventually, in about 20 years, you look around, and the only people that are getting health care right now are the wealthy, the the working middle working class. I don't say middle class, but those in that in that area. No one else has health care, and it's going to be the same thing with public schools. It will get to the point to where we've privatized so much. The only people that are going to be able to afford an education are the wealthy, and most of the working class that can't afford to send their children to a private school are going to be sitting there going, what do we do? And the, the same way that with the health care system, a lot of the working poor is sitting here today saying, what do we do? And everybody's saying, we don't do nothing for you. That's going to get to the point of the same way with education. And, and, and it's a ploy. It is a ploy right. to keep the rich, to keep getting richer, and to create this neoliberal concept of we're all equal across the, uh, across the world. They want to create 
the point to where we are starving so bad that we will work for the same wages that people in Yugoslavia or in Mexico or in China, the same ones that they demonize right now. It's a race to the bottom. Exactly. It is a race to the bottom. And by privatizing education, that creates that race. That speeds that up to the point to where poor working class kids aren't getting educated. If they are so poorly, it'll be the absolutely bare minimum you know of of education system well and i think you made a great point about who the postal service employs because both post the post offices and the public education system are two of the only careers left that are open to ordinary folks to be able to access a pension and a union and halfway decent health care so that's another reason why both of these institutions have been targeted to bust those unions and to lower the standards in this race to the bottom for all working people across this country. Yeah. So we're looking forward to talking a little bit more about teacher appreciation on the other side of the break. But I also wanted to mention our post office brothers and sisters and the struggles they're facing yeah. uh, because really we're all in it together. So stay tuned. Talk about public education and more on the other side. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. This is News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. News starts now. Coronavirus positivity rates in the U.S. continue their decline, but vaccination rates are also declining, says ABC's Trevor Alt. Health officials are hoping Pfizer's new request for full approval of its vaccine might encourage those who are still weary. But this week, the country's vaccination rate fell to 2 million shots a day, which is a 20% drop from the week before and a 35% drop from last month. At least 25 people were killed in Afghanistan after a bomb blast in West Kabul. Afghan government officials say many of the dead are young students. The blast was near a school. Pipeline operator Colonial Pipeline says it's been forced to halt operations on a pipeline that transports more than 100 million gallons of fuel each day because of a cyber attack. Pipeline brings gasoline and jet fuel from Texas to the New York City area. U.S. Space Force says the re-entry window for a Chinese rocket could be anywhere from 7.30 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. Eastern. Space Force estimates a 75% chance it lands in the ocean. Brian Clark, ABC News. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617- 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. 
The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. Have an Amazon Echo? Just say, Alexa, play WVNN. And you'll always have the only radio station of relevance in Alabama. WVNN. WVNN. Just more than that. A population burnt up, let try. The marginalized multiply. And you'd like to fight. You reign the Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate your patience today dealing with me instead of Jacob Morrison, our fearless leader. Uh, uh, it's been wonderful. So uh, hopefully uh, I've uh, done the show justice today. I uh, just appreciate the opportunity to try to learn from Jacob and David and the great work they've been doing building this show over the past year. So uh, this past week was Teacher Appreciation Week, and that's, you know as I mentioned, dear to my heart. And it's really dear to the heart of all working class people because of the importance public education has for all of our communities. You know, really, a community lives and dies on its public schools, as does the extent that we have any democracy uh, in this country. You know, it really starts with our public education system. Yep. And something, uh, you know, we talked about on the other side is this attack of privatization. And, you know, privatization in the nutshell is converting public money into private hands. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, Here in Huntsville, Alabama, it has been ground zero for corporate education reform and privatization. Uh, And where often they start with the most vulnerable. No surprise there. That's sort of how it works in our capitalist system here. You target the weakest first. And our school support staff are often the first, you know, folks that are targeted by this privatization. And we're talking about your cafeteria workers, security guards, custodians, even secretaries, receptionists, clerical workers, all these folks without whom the schools do not operate. I mean, if you go into a school and you want to know what's going on, you probably need to talk to the head custodian and the secretary in the office. Yeah. Because that's who's really making sure things are running smoothly. Uh, And we've seen here in Huntsville and across the country this trend of privatizing these employees. So they're using public tax dollars to contract with for-profit companies, these various vendors. You know, and, and why they do that ostensibly is to save taxpayer money. Well, their claim. That's yeah, right. So that's that's, the, that's what they claim is they're going to save taxpayer money uh, at the expense of those workers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the case study of Huntsville, Alabama, is a good one because over the past decade or so, you saw this massive outsourcing of of support workers. So now, instead of a custodian or a cafeteria worker working for Huntsville City School District, where they might have actual health insurance and a retirement pension uh they are working for these uh for-profit companies temp services like spur which used to be called appleton uh kelly services epsco uh you know there's all sorts of local and and outside of state uh that come in and they operate like a temp agency and they contract with the school system 
Uh, it's not a coincidence that often the people who are involved in these companies are some of the largest donors to school board elections. Yeah. And so these folks are just screwed because they have no job security. They have no little to no benefits. You know, they can't gain due process rights. They can't pay into the state pension system. And, you know, that is where often this privatization starts. And you have to question. I mean, it, it don't take a rocket scientist to sit down and figure out, okay, we are paying the custodians, uh, the the cooks in the schools directly out of public funds, the tax dollars that we all pay. No, there's no one that's in between them. So the money that we're paying them is their money. Right. It don't take a rocket scientist to figure out when we privatize it. And now we're having to go through a third party agency, a middleman, a middleman, and they're getting their cut. It it, it, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure out that guess what? We're not saving money we're paying more. The difference is somebody well for example with with my ex-representative ed henry that was that was this on this radio station quite often that was charged with with uh with uh oh i forgot he was out of jail yeah i don't think he served any time believe it or not but you know the the whole thing is they're always working to enrich their buddies and that's exactly what this private privatization scam is is you create this business and we'll pay you and you'll get a cut and you can employ them instead of us and, right and under the auspices like you said of saving taxpayer dollars how does it save taxpayer dollars if we're paying somebody else to pay that person instead of us just paying that person it's insane right so we're not saving taxpayer money and we're screwing the workers in the process and what you get is extremely high turnover yeah you know it's hard to keep your school staffed who wants to who wants to sign up for that yeah uh especially when in some cases you can make more in the fast food industry or in retail uh, then going to work for these temp services and you know you don't have any future you know you can't attain any sort of security or pension or health care uh, so it makes the schools harder to staff it hurts the services provided to the students and the educators which then irritates the people involved the yep. families the stakeholders which then gets them irritated at the public school system so then these privatizers come come around and say, well, see, we told you there was a problem in our school system. Yep. Give us more money. Give us and more we'll contracts it. and we'll fix it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and as anybody that's been in the labor movement for more than a year knows, this is the start. Because what you'll see next is after they've privatized all of these individuals, you'll see them going towards the teachers or the teaching assistants. And they'll say, well, we need to create we need to make them instead of employees of the school they'll be independent contractors and and they'll have to negotiate independently on their own individually and that will begin to fail because it with there it always begins to fail without a doubt and 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 just like we were talking about with the post office earlier in 10 15 years they'll say look we told you this was a felon system we created the fel- they're not going to say it right but we created the felon system so we could begin to outsource and privatize everything so then and they can sell you the solution yep to the failure they created exactly um you know and 
right here in the 5th Congressional District, we have a gentleman named Casey Wardinsky running for Congress. He was a superintendent in Huntsville City Schools. He was really the privatizer-in-chief. He was a... He was quite the uh, innovator in terms of ways to screw over his employees and ways to privatize public money. Uh, he was using public funds to hire a political consultant yeah. to help do PR work. He had public money go into um, a consulting agency to do HR work. Um, you know, in addition to these workers that were being outsourced, and he also intentionally created one of the highest teacher turnover rates in the state. Yeah. So people obviously express concern about high teacher turnover and difficulties in finding good teachers in schools. But some of these folks are doing this on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's – and here's the thing. And you you were an educator, still are an educator, maybe not actively employed in right. that. But you are an educator. You're professionally trained. I'll always that. be an educator exactly. in my heart. Exactly. So here's the point. You know, because for the past, what, five years, we've had all the parents complaining about Common Core. We have a lot of discussion around uh, the education system is failing us. You need only to look to your legislators. Do the educators in a public school system get to set what their materials are going to be? I mean, it's, it's, right. you know, the, it is not the educator's fault. It's not the teacher's fault that, that your child may may not be learning as quickly because the legislator sets all of this. Right. It's not the educator's fault that there's, you know, 15 too many kids in, their, in yeah. your child's class. Yeah. It's not the educator's fault uh, that they don't have the special education aids that your child needs for their IEP. It's not the educator's fault that the building they're going to is falling apart and is covered in mold and asbestos. Yep. You know, and these are the type of issues that our public education workers are facing, whether they're the nurses or the teachers, or the librarians, the support staff. Uh, and you're right. It, you know, the Alabama legislature plays a huge role in that. Um, in the aftermath of the Great Recession, a little over a decade ago, Alabama had some of the steepest cuts to K-12 education in the nation. So, you know, this week, as they brag about the new education budget that's been implemented, which, of course, it is better than last year, which was better than the year before. And that's great. Uh, but really, all we're doing at this point is making up for lost ground, because now we have an entire cohort of students throughout their time in a K-12 education system who've been educated under austerity, under budget cuts, under corporate reform, under standardized testing. Because that is another way in which they make money off our schools. Yeah. They implement new tests, which with new tests comes new curriculum, new textbooks you have to purchase, new software you have to purchase. Uh, and, of course, that collects your students' data. Yeah. They have to have their precious data. They don't give a crap about kids learning but they really really care about the data uh they have to see good data they want to have a report card for the school with the data on it they want third-party vendors to have access to this data so there are all kinds of ways in which private interests have found ways to make public education a commodity yeah probably. and a source of profit yeah all of that to say hug your teacher Give them Amen. a gift card. 
you know the don't violate the ethics law god forbid you give them a gift card uh that is over what 25 dollars i don't um, know i don't know anything about the, the ethics law <laughs> we, just don't but, tell anybody what you gave tell them anybody, yeah but i mean they, you know it's coming the, the school year's coming to a close teachers it's been a hell of a year for yeah. teachers and everybody in schools this teachers year. nurses workers in general have really dug in and saved this country this year through through you know one of the worst one of the worst health care crises that we've seen certainly in my generation and in numerous generations the teachers deserve much more than what they're getting right now absolutely uh you know they have really picked up the slack absolutely and that's that's exactly right it has been the teachers the nurses the fast food workers the delivery drivers the grocery store workers the you know all these folks that are quote-unquote essential yeah you know they're essential to keeping our economy going and really our whole society going but they're not essential when it comes time to pay a living wage or to give them a voice at the bargaining table, or to guarantee dignity in retirement and health care. Yeah. And the one and and, to, and this weekend, I guess we should point out, uh, we're coming up on the end of this segment. We got one more, so y'all stick around. But as we're talking about essential workers, the one essential worker that gets left out more than anybody is mothers and this Mother's Day weekend, That's you know. Right. Without the mothers out there, we wouldn't be what we are. So, you know, a big shout out. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, especially to my wife and my mom. My wife is religiously watching us every week. So, you know, I love her to death and couldn't couldn't have been the person that I am without her. So happy Mother's Day to all you ladies out there and the, to the single dads that may be taking care of your kids as well. Absolutely. They're, they're just as much a mother as anybody yeah absolutely yeah so happy mother's day to to my mother to my wife uh to all those women out there and men who are taking up and serving as de facto parents and grandparents for kids um and you know to tie it back into education let's not forget that teaching is a very predominantly female workforce and don't think that doesn't factor into why they are bullied like they are and why they are demeaned the way they are uh, you know, there is there is some aspect there where they recognize it's mostly women doing this work and it's dismissed that way. Yeah. And they've always been the caretakers of our society. I mean, it, it, it all has the same tie in. You know, they are they're dedicated caretakers of, of our children and of society in general. They are what what frame what we know as society right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, this is the end of Teacher Appreciation Week, and, and I do really, truly want to extend our appreciation to not just teachers, but all folks working in our public schools, uh, because you make such a difference in the lives of young people. And as I mentioned earlier, you're about one of the last vestiges left of a really broken social safety net in this country. Yeah. Um, and, and you're helping keep, keep kids fed. You're helping to keep them safe. And, you know, it's without you guys, um, our communities really, really do struggle. So we want to thank you. We want to encourage you to get organized, talk with your coworkers and start talking with those legislators and superintendents and school board members. Thanks for what you do. 
keep fighting stay strong finish out the school year uh we love you and and yeah and the community rally around them you know the community needs to rally around them absolutely folks we got one more segment we shall be back in just a second don't turn the dial don't turn off youtube facebook whatever you're watching on stick with us you're listening to the valley labor report with david story and jacob morrison the valley labor report is also supported by listeners like you if you value the work that we are doing injecting a different perspective into talk radio and you have the means consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the valley labor report again that's patreon.com forward slash the valley labor report to support our work and keep us on the air The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256 876-4880. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617. 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. WVNN. Depend on it. Lonely dead stuck bleeding Welcome back. Welcome back. This is the Valley Labor Report. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, Really enjoyed our conversations today. Appreciate all of you listening and viewing, wherever you may be listening or viewing. If you like what we're up to, uh, please like the page. Please subscribe to the channel. Please share it with your friends. Spread the word. Uh, We are trying to spread the gospel of solidarity in North Alabama and across this country. Uh, David's going to tell us a little bit about a great uh, benefit we have coming up in a couple Ooh. weeks. Uh, you want to share what we have planned to support those striking miners down in Brookwood? I mean, we're still putting this together, but the the thing that we're trying to get out right now is we have 1,100 workers in Brookwood, Alabama that have been on a picket line for now going on seven weeks seven weeks without a paycheck since april 1st right yep they are holding the line they are doing a wonderful job they are i mean they it's one of the biggest strikes that we've seen in alabama in 20 years and and we need to support them and why do we need to support them because the the company was running the ground 10 years ago 
by Walter uh, Cole and basically filed bankruptcy. And at the time that they filed bankruptcy, a private uh, venture vulture capitalist swooped Mm -hmm. in and purchased it up and renegotiated a contract with the workers. And the workers said, you know what? We're starting from scratch. We will take seven to eight dollar an hour pay cut at to try to get this company back up on its feet seven to eight dollar an hour pay cut i mean if, if anybody out there that, that works for a living understands what kind of sacrifice they made seven that years is no ago joke. so now in the past on this contract they have had two years of record profits, record coal pulled out of the ground. The company is flourishing, and what they're simply asking for is get us back to where we were. Get us back to a fair wage. We sacrificed while while the supervisors were getting $30,000 a quarter bonuses, pulling all this coal out of the ground. We sacrificed. The workers have sacrificed. Get, get us back to at least what we were making before to where everybody can share in these profits that we, the workers, are generating. And so, and the company is asking them to make more concessions. Not only are they saying, no, we're not going to get you back there. We want you to pay a little bit more for health care. That is just so like that. insulting. So insulting after they have, you know, revived this company and yeah. brought yeah. these record profits. Yep. And so, so what we we have intentions of doing a very long stream. I'm hearing from Jacob; he wants to do 48 hour solid live stream at the Mine Workers Union Hall to raise money for our brothers and sisters down there. So it should be. I think we're looking at the 29th. So that's three weeks from today. Uh, I think we're going to actually start on a Friday. Listen to talking to him uh, this past week, and we're going to have some. Spe- we're going to have a ton of special guests. I mean, uh, you know, friends of the show, uh, Dixieland of the Proletariat will be coming up to to chip in. The uh, Revolutions per minute. We were on their radio show out of New York City this past week. They were gracious enough to have us on. Uh, they will be coming on. I hear that there may be a few good bands that's coming up to do some free shows. Lee Baines has said he's going to come and and do a, a basically an entire free show of his album that hasn't even been released yet. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be tremendous. I think I'm being forced to cook some, uh, but yeah. It's a, but the whole point is. We are going to be asking for y'all to donate. If you can chip in a dollar, if you can chip in $20, whatever you can chip in, it's all of it's going to the mine workers down there, and we're going to keep supporting them and get them back up to the fair wage that they deserve. Absolutely. And uh, really excited about this. I hope that you guys will get excited about it and really show out for these brothers uh, who are down there holding the line. Yeah. As David mentioned, it's, it really is it's a, it's a historic strike, and so this is a historic opportunity for all of us to demonstrate yep. our solidarity. solidarity. That's and what it's all about. if you're in the area, you know, here's the thing. If you're in there, if you're in Alabama, there's nothing that's keeping you, and, you know, most of us are vaccinated now. There's nothing that's keeping you from driving down. If you enjoy the show, 
call in. We'll 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 get you on the air. If you're in the local area, drive down and uh, come sit hang down out and talk with us. Yeah, I mean, uh, to you know, it's going. We're going to need a lot of participation. I can't imagine it's it's mind boggling the to feel that much of a live stream with content, but we're going to do the best that we can with what we've got. So, yeah, if there's anything you've been really itching to talk about, uh, (laughs) if you are an expert, even in your own head, if you are an expert and you feel like you need to call and uh, fill up some time uh, in a couple weekends, uh, we'd love to have you do that. Reach out to the show. Um, So we're excited about that. We're, We're looking forward to really supporting those miners. Um, and as you know, we're wrapping up today. I do want to um, mention something that came out this week. Uh, a couple of things in Alabama. We mentioned there was actually rare good news. A medical marijuana bill has been passed Amazing. by both chambers. We are awaiting the governor's signature on that. Now, you know, it is more restrictive than a lot of other states is in terms as of expected. as expected. You know, in terms of who can qualify and, and how that's going to work. But. Uh, but wow. it's a good it's a good start to getting away from the opioid uh you know the the, the opi I don't want to say pandemic but the opioid catastrophe that the drug makers has placed upon all of our family because every one of us I don't care who you are you may not know that you know someone but I promise you you do you know someone with an addiction problem and and get i i've got family that are the and brothers and sisters that are on methadone that are on suboxone trying to get off of these terrible opiates and if this is a pathway to help them out then we need to support it 100 percent because the alternative is people like we've seen in youtube videos for the past 10 years people dying in the streets from this drug so we've lost way too many good people uh yeah. to to this drug epidemic and including lots of dear friends and folks yep. here in this community um just recently so yeah we're, we're glad to see the alabama legislature for a change actually do something nice for the people of alabama keep up the work good work guys yeah um, believe it or not i mean you know we're not sitting here and that's something that's i think that's that really shows the difference between our show and everyone else's show is when the other party does something good we are praising them we're not sitting here trying to tear down what they're doing as opposed to what you see every other show on well on that show. note let me do tear down <laughs> let yeah. me tear them down well, I mean, just a sec I mean, for, for, you know i'm saying we're gonna tear them down on bad policy Absolutely. but when they do good when they do something good we're gonna fuck, we're gonna cheer them on that's right that's right um so one one negative thing is that uh it did come out in a new report that 38 percent of alabama's covid deaths was due to the insurance gap now we've talked yeah. about expanding medicaid in this state on this radio show uh and we need everyone's support especially those of you who live here to really push the needle on that we yep. must expand medicaid too many working class sisters and brothers do not have affordable health care and this is an easy way to help them and to help our economy so thank you to everyone who is tuned in today uh thank you for putting up with me uh as your host this morning uh jacob if when you listen to this i hope i did you justice he's already he's been texting constantly throughout the whole show he's listening right now i don't know what he's doing so all all your critiques your your complaints criticism please send that to jacob morrison if you have any (laughs) praise please send it to adam and david uh we've enjoyed it today 
be good to your mamas. Be good to your teachers and your nurses. Uh, this has been their week, and we, we appreciate them. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week.